Hello and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. I'm Simone de Rochefort, video producer for Polygon.com, and I'm joined tonight by Christina Warren, senior cloud developer advocate, and Brianna Wu, Democratic candidate for Congress. Woo! Welcome I feel good to today, the Simone. show. Just no particular reason. It just felt like a good day today for you no reason. You just wanted to woo. I just did. I'm sorry. It's been a good day. <laughs> Yay. Well, you guys, like, it's 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 the one-year anniversary of, like, a really some terrible stuff. thing. Of, yeah. of some stuff. Like, like yeah. if you look at your Facebook and, and you just see sorrow, this is why. But fortunately... Uh, some fairly good things have happened. Some good things have happened. Um, so that's uh, yay. You're yeah, later. Yeah, Courtney mentioned today that she opened her time hop and it was a bad idea. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, oh god, yeah. god. A, no. someone still uses time hop. B, oh god. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say A, someone uses time hop. B, but no, Facebook was like reminding me of all kinds of things. Yeah, and I was no. like, yeah. Yep. I was like, nope, don't even remotely. Well, see, I had it good because I went on a three day media blackout around this time last year, and it was great. <laughs> I got into fights oh. with my family members, and it was great. Right They've before never birthday, been seen it again. Great. It's weird. <laughs> yeah, it is weird. It's like, uh, what happened? Yeah. So Facebook sends me regularly pictures of my 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 dog who I loved and who has been sanctified in his death crash. And Facebook sends oh. me pictures and videos of crash constantly, and oh, that was God, less so depressing hard. than the time hop stuff I got today. <laughs> like it was less. It was less heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean. I, I just I just keep remembering being in in the newsroom watching the results of the election with 18 year old William Turton who had just voted in his first election. Oh no, William! And and and, oh. and uh, you know has just like had like his like just his look on his crushed. face. William Turton, who's now a correspondent for fight for, for the Vice News Show on HBO, wow, which is extremely cool. Oh, yeah, Dude, William Turton, up in the world. Uh, a, a friend of the pod. Who anyway, was on the I pod. just remember yeah, that. About stuff. I know this is off topic, but I have to say yeah, this before we start. It. Vice is working on a story right now <laughs> of vegans that are addicted to cocaine. And I'm telling you, when that story <laughs> goes live, story. we will be covering that on Rocket. We want to oh, really go in depth on cocaine addicted vegans. That's very no, important I, to no, me. I, I'm with you because that's so fascinating. <laughs> because you would think, no, 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 I, I, I kind of love this story on a lot of levels because they could make the argument that because it is like a from a plant, the cocaine, yeah. you know, yeah. it, it is fully natural, high yeah. and whatnot, and and, yeah. and and that they, you know, they're not using any animal byproducts. Because I don't think it's that that's used in in, in, in cocaine at all. That's really fascinating. Um, vegan coke addicts. Um, I wonder if they're vegan meth heads. I'm know. sure, you know, yeah. Christina, vegans, the beauty of veganism is that they can be anything that they want to be. Well, well, no, 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 no. The reason I'm asking, Simone, is because I have, I have to imagine that some of the stuff that some of these drugs are cut with probably have like some sort of gelatin or other like animal based oh product You're going in some deep sense. into the rabbit I am. hole. I, am because- I, I, I did just watch Breaking Bad again and I don't remember any scene where Walter White like throws a cow into his No, mouth no, I, I'm not saying a so, cow. I'm saying yeah. is there any gelatin yeah. in anything? Is there any sort of dye? Like there, there, there's all kinds of questions I have uh, about like how many drugs are purely vegan uh, vegan friendly. Like that's Your actually- Your question has been answered by vstreetvegetarian.wordpress.com <laughs> who in anticipation of the 2012 season of Breaking Bad confirmed that yes, meth is vegan in almost all cases. Recipes do vary greatly though. So yes, there is like you as you suspected there are some things 
there are some there, there there it might be possible that you could get some some non-vegan meth. All right, that's that's good to know. But 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 cocaine, especially if you don't get you know crack cocaine, which is obviously cut with baking soda and other stuff. If you're getting the pure stuff. That's like legit, right? Like that's just the plants. Sure, um, baby. Uh, any anyway, enough about drugs. This is not a drug podcast. I'm sure our sponsors. <laughs> uh, I just want to really make sure happy. that people know that uh, just for those of you, if you're worried about meth at home. It is animal free, but it is not cruelty free. So oh. watch out <laughs> yeah, for just call. I just call. wanted to specify there. That was important oh, to me. Also, Breaking Bad, really good show. <laughs> Eventually I'll freaking watch it. Christina, you now have in your possession an iPhone 10. I sure Can I do. briefly complain, actually, going back to uh-huh. a completely different topic, how annoyed I am that Microsoft is sabotaging me by releasing the Xbox One X around the same time <laughs> as Apple releases the iPhone 10. so that every time I look at the One X, I'm like, ah, yes, the One 10. Nope, nope. <laughs> and then I look at the, the 10 oh. and I'm like, ah, yes, the iPhone X. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> No, no, you're not even remotely wrong because I was actually just just thinking that when you were saying the One X and in my mind, even though I knew you were correct because obviously you are, I was like, no, it's the 110. Like, Every yeah, time. you're right. This is this is a, a, a real uh, a real problem for anybody who uh, uses the 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 symbol for for X or 10 in in their product name. It's it's it, it's it's a great week, but also terrible for us um, people who who do podcasts and talk about these <laughs> things. Have to, to talk about Roman numerals. <sighs> but your Roman numeral, how is it treating you? I you know I really like it. Um, it's uh, so it's interesting. So I'd only had the plus model phone for a year. I had the seven plus, and I, I wrote at length about how mad I was last year that Apple made me buy the bigger phone. And then I, I got the 7 Plus because um, I wanted the dual camera. And then I I wound up actually really liking the larger size and the battery life. But what I never liked was the fact that I couldn't get a really cute case for it. And then it, mm-hmm. you know, took up a bunch of space in my pocket, et cetera. This phone feels in a lot of ways, um, I don't have my six. I have my six someplace. But, like, I, I've compared to the size of, 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 an, of an 8 or a 7 or, or, or whatever, you know, that size. It's a little bit bigger than that, but it's basically the same size. But yet it's visible screen area. It's more narrow, but it is taller than the 7 Plus screen. So... For me, size-wise, I think they finally nailed it. Like this is this is the, the the size phone I've wanted. By getting rid of those bezels and and using that high resolution screen, like I feel like I have a, everything I wanted from a screen size, but in a smaller form factor. That said, because it is more narrow, if your thumbs have been a, become adjusted to typing on the the seven plus or, or the six plus or the six s plus or the eight plus. It's going to take maybe a little bit of time to get used to typing on that. I, I got used to it fairly quickly, but I did notice that the first day or so I was kind of like mistyping certain things. And, and that was not related to the Unicode error that Apple is currently experiencing where eyes look like question marks. Um, you know, this is just, you know, going from like a, a wider screen to a more narrow screen. But um, I really like the phone. Um, my, my only real concern with it so far, I've, I'm trying to find a good case for it. Because I don't know if you guys have seen any of the drop tests, but it does not hold up no, well. This scares the frack out of me, Christina. As it should. Because I dropped my phone. Me I, I too. dropped it three times today, and that's not a joke. So no, I, your I phone, mine which is a lot. still uh, the eight, or not the eight, the it's seven? Just seven plus, right? Yeah, seven plus. yeah, it's the seven plus. Uh, yeah, what's the? There's a joke in the Expanse novels, like uh, they ask Captain Holden how many more times he can get irradiated, and he goes, <laughs> "Well, at least one more," and that's exactly 
exactly <laughs> how I feel about my iPhone. I know it's going to survive at least one more drop. So, um, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to find a bumper or like one of those like huge cases yeah. from the tactical. Yeah. Dude so the value of making yeah. it out of glass was because of the grippiness of it, right? Was that well, the. Uh, I honestly think it was probably um, uh, wireless charging. Oh yeah, is my guess. oh yeah, duh. Uh, because if you notice, they also did it on on the eight and the eight plus. They also made those glass yeah. back, and so I think it's wireless charging that they wanted to do that, and they they had they had to have a material that, that would let you pass through, and 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 glass does that. Um, I mean, the grippiness is fine too, but you know, it t- to me it feels very similar to the jet black iPhone that came out last year, which to me always felt good but kind of slippery. Um, I I've ordered a couple of cases. I've been very disappointed so far in tech media's ability to do case reviews thus far. The wire cutter says that one is coming, and so I trust them. And so I ordered a thin case that they'd recommended for the uh, the eight, a spigen case, a clear case. We'll see how that works. I got a case today. I don't love it. It's a rose gold color. Hmm. It fits it just fine. I think it's fine protection. But when I look at it, I just kind of don't like it because it covers up the essence of the beautiful phone that I have, which is kind of like not the whole point. So um, my favorite case actually for my iPhone 7 Plus, uh, Belkin of all companies made a case that was uh, a, a see-through plastic and it had rose gold on the sides, but the tenting on the plastic itself was also kind of a rose gold. So it was really nice. And so if they make one of those cases for the the, the 10, I'll get it. But I, I bought the Apple Care Plus at $200 because the repair costs on oh, this yeah. thing are so much that I'm just afraid. And I broke my iPhone, either the 4 or the 4S, might have been both of them, but, but I definitely you know, dropped one of those. And, and I, I can tell, like, this is just for, for, for a phone that I spent, you know, $1,300 on for the 256 gigabyte, you know, version yeah. with tax. I, I had to spend another $200 on the, on the, the Apple care. Cause there's no way like at that, that point it becomes is, a, an investment. You're like, no freaking way. Am I going well, through exactly. this again? Which, which, which I have to say is kind of a, as excited as I am by the phone. And as much as I like the phone, it does kind of make the whole thing a little bit of a downer because then you feel like you have to baby it, you know? Yeah. And you know, like with my success, which granted is quite old at this point, my case broke and I haven't replaced the case. Um, I don't really drop my phone, but I'm not particularly careful with it. And I, I feel okay about that. Nothing. It just has a small crack so far. Nothing particularly bad has happened to it yet. But I cannot see myself doing that with something that I, I remembered paying that much money for. It right. would terrify I mean, when me. You spend, yeah, when you spend that much money on a phone, and and, and it is beautiful. Um, it also, I will say, I have the silver version, which I, I really like the look of. You know, it's a fingerprint ma- magnet and, yep. and probably is going to pick up some scratches and stuff. But it looks really nice, you know. I mean, but 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 this is certainly one of those things where it, it's very expensive and um, you're going to have to baby the, the, the heck out of it is, is what I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. So I have some questions about yes. this. Um, as, as someone that is, well, I, we could tell my story about my iPhone 10 order yeah. later in the show, but I'm, I'm on the fence about this primarily because of the drop thing. And I, I want the iPhone 10. But at the end of the day, my iPhone is the way I run my campaign. Right. And it's, it's a work tool. Really, it really is. And, you know, I, I know there are people out there that feel differently than I do. But when I get a phone, it very – I don't worry about, like, scratches on mine. And I keep it not in a case because, like, I think the – 
the life of a phone is to be used. You know, I think Definitely. You, you, it's an object that is meant to be used. Uh, and I think like putting a case on a phone that the engineers work so hard to slim down, it's like losing 20 pounds and celebrating by putting on a fat suit. It's just, it doesn't make <laughs> sense to me. So, so, I mean, my question with the phone is like, um, like how is face ID? Like, does it work in practice? Is it, is it, I mean, do you feel good about this? I do feel good about it. So, okay. My the, there there are a couple of things with Face ID. Um, one, I would say that it's for the most part really fast. They have this thing called attention uh, attention awareness, like requiring attention for Face ID, which will basically say that you have to be looking directly at the the, the camera for it to unlock. If you don't have that turned on, then you can just kind of be staring anywhere at the phone, and it will unlock for you. But if you have the requiring attention turned on then um, it will um, require that you look directly at the camera. The problem with that, I mean, it works pretty well in practice, but the problem with that is because it is so fast Mm -hmm. that if you aren't staring directly at it and you just pick up your phone, you could set off Face ID without even realizing it and then still have to enter in your passcode. So Mm. depending on what you do, and and it it says, you know, some sunglasses may block the attention detection, uh, et cetera, um, will, will basically like, like let you know if if um if that's going to work for you or not. But I have to say, for the most part, I mean, I in my experience, it's been working really well. I, I kind of tweeted to people that it was sort of interesting that, um, for instance, um, Windows Hello, which uses similar technology but different. When I had a beanie on the other day, Windows Hello didn't recognize me <laughs> and made me take my beanie off. Oh. Whereas Face ID knew that it was me, whether I had the, he- the the beanie on or not. So it works well, but because it is so quick, you need to, you know, play around with that attention setting. I've had it enabled, but I made I may end up turning it off. And, and there are pluses and minuses to that. So that, that would be the only thing I would say is that if you have that attention setting turned on and you lift your phone out of your pocket and you kind of turn it towards you and, and you trigger face ID and you weren't looking directly at the camera – you might not. You might wind up, you know, hitting the the, the block five times, and 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 then it's you know going to require that um you have um you enter an in, 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 in a passcode. Pass yeah. You make eye contact so, with your phone across the room. It's electric. Right. <laughs> Love it. That's exactly right. Sight. That's exactly uh, right. And then it right, locks you out. I have some out. more questions for you. Yes, I have some more questions on. for you. Okay, so one of the things I am worried about, and this is so irrational, but your brain doesn't care if something is rational. Of course not. True. Even though the screen is technically bigger, because the form of the phone is smaller, I'm worried the phone is going to feel uncomfortably small because I've been using the Plus for three years. Is that a valid worry? Um, like, how does it feel? So maybe, but maybe not. I mean, I got used to it immediately and I've still been using my 7 Plus a little bit, like kind of at night, like it just kind of as a reading device because that's a decent size of, of device to read on, frankly. Um, you might miss the size a little bit, but I think you get used to it. The one thing I would say right now, at least the way some of the apps are using, especially the Apple apps, and this is a criticism I'll kind of give a little bit, is that they're, the way they're using the extra space, I wouldn't say is necessarily advantageous, meaning... 
the biggest way you see this is in the keyboard. So you pull up, you have an app, and, and you've got this this very large bottom section underneath the space bar and the one, two, three key where you have this, you know, big button for the emoji uh, th- sign and, and a big button for uh, the voice activated feature. But you've got this, this lot of space that frankly could be used for something else and it's not being used for anything. And you see that in some other apps as well where they're not necessarily using that extra space the way that they could. So in that sense, it doesn't really feel cramped because you still sort of have a bezel of sorts. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, even though it's a higher resolution screen and and and, and higher density, you know, it, it, you, you're like, okay, but I have this extra screen space. Why aren't you using it? Um, yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of, you know, six of one, half a dozen of another. Um, I haven't felt it in a smaller in my hand. The biggest thing for me is just the fact that that it does. I do like having the smaller size in my hand. Um, but, but I don't feel like the screen, it's not like in the past when I've gone from using a 7 Plus to using like a 6S to to being like, oh man, the screen is really small. Like it, it still feels big. There are a couple of, of differences. Uh, for instance, um, landscape mode no longer works on the home screen the same way that it does on the 7 plus now me personally i didn't use that feature to the point that i actually always had orientation lock turned on my phone because if i was in bed it would automatically turn itself on i'm like i don't want my home screen to to rotate but if Mm -hmm. you liked those types of features this might feel a little bit smaller. i like it but if you're somebody who really had come to liking the size the the bigger size Look at look at it in the store. You might actually be better off with an eight plus okay. if, if you like the bigger size. Dang. Yeah, I, I guess the last question I have is like, um, are you finding that your apps generally work? Like, are things updated to work well on it? Like, what's your experience so far? So it's kind of a mixed bag. More and more apps are getting updated all the time to take advantage of the extra stuff. Like, like for instance. Just right now, when I hit update, I think that the, the the authenticator app that I use at work was was just updated. But there are some apps that like like all the Google apps were updated this week, and none of them technically support um, the new mode. And so it kind of works in kind of a reverse letterbox mode. If you recall, when the iPhone when we went from iPhone four S to iPhone five, there was kind of a letterbox mode for some apps. Um, it's kind of like that, but not as bad. But, but we're instead of seeing the notch. You see, you know, black spaces at the top and bottom. And for the most part, it's fine and it's starting to go away, but it is definitely something you notice. And it's going to take time for every app to update. And I mean, we should keep in mind, especially when it comes to games, there are going to be certain games that are never going to be updated. I mean, because not mm-hmm. only is this a different screen size, this is a different orientation. Yeah. And, and, and again, we went through that with the iPhone 4 to the 5 or the 4S to the 5. But we haven't really gone, we, you know, that went 69, and I don't know what this orientation is, but it, it, it's something weird. Um, but there, there are going to be some games that are never going to be updated that way, and, and yeah. that's just going to be something that, that we're going to have to deal with. Um, but I haven't really had a problem with that. One thing I would say, my, my, big, my biggest concern going into this was with uh, Apple Pay. That hasn't been as bad as I was fearful of, oh, but really? I will still say that Apple Pay, because what you do now is you double tap on the side button. Uh, which is which is where the power is, and it's the Siri button. You double tap on it; it brings up Apple Pay, and then you look at your 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 your, your Face ID, and it says, "Here you are." And then you hold it up to the reader. But still, that takes longer than using your fingerprint. What's the consistency of that of that button press? Because I obviously I don't have that button on my phone necessarily, but I've not been a huge fan of double pressing Apple's buttons. 
Um, I mean, it, it feels like a, a, you know, a nice springy, spongy kind of, you know, metal button. It feels good. Like it doesn't okay. feel soft in any way. Like it feels like ni- it has a nice clicky consistency to it. Like I, I, I feel good with, with the, with the series slash home button or not home button, a uh, power button. Um, but Apple pay, it's not as bad as I was afraid that it would be, but I certainly will say like in the past, I literally just put my fingerprint on, waited for it to pop up, w- you know, wound it over and it would take a couple of, you know, like a fraction of a second. Now it does take longer to use Apple pay, especially like my most common use case is using it with my right hand, um, at, um, uh, you know, uh, at our cafe at work where I, I've, you know, use a, a touch panel to enter in my stuff. And then I, 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 I move my right hand over and, and just kind of hold it over an NFC reader and it approves itself. Now, because of where it's located, I have to kind of get in front of it and, 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 you know, mm-hmm. double tap and, and put my face up and then put it down. So it takes a little bit longer. It's not as long as I was afraid, but, and, and depending on the setup, it might not be as bad, but make no mistake, you know, Apple Pay does take longer now. Mm-hmm. That, that's just a fact. Okay. Well, I I don't use it often enough. Go ahead, someone. Oh, I was going to ask how you felt about that, but yeah, I I actually don't use Apple Pay either. I've thought about setting it up, but there's something that, uh, to be honest, what stops me from setting it up is the uh, social anxiety that I might try to use it and get it wrong, <laughs> and then clerks will laugh at me. What do you mean? I feel that same thing. Well, you guys, the worst case, and 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 I I hear you, but I use it all the time. It will still take less time than using the freaking chip card, okay? So I mean, that's true, but I've learned how to use the chip card now, no, and I can have, never go I'm, back. But, but I'm just saying, I mean, it's, it, it's fine. Uh, I, I use it all the time. The one thing I will say, going back to Face ID for a second, that I do really like is they have this new feature with the notifications where they know whether you're looking at it or not, whether it's unlocked or not, where it'll show you what the notifications say. So right now it'll kind of come up if you have this mode enabled, it'll show you the notification saying one message from Facebook or one message from iMessage, but it doesn't show you what it says until you're actually looking at it. And that is really cool because one of the things that I I don't love you know, about previous iPhones and versions of iOS is that, you know, notification comes up, your phone is locked, but somebody can still see whoever is texting you. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That. Yeah. And, and, and you're like, okay, but I don't want this person on the plane or my boss or whoever to to, to see what's happening. So that's at least a a good thing. And and I do, um, you know, it's a gorgeous device. As people have said, the cameras so far, I haven't spent enough time with them. I'm going to spend more time with it when I'm in New York next week are really lovely. Um, the battery life seems good. Again, I think you're going to have better battery with your, your plus because it's a bigger Mm -hmm. battery. Uh, but, uh, and you know, um, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy that I have this phone. So yay. Yay. Awesome. I'm happy awesome. for you. Have you been posting pictures uh, from the phone on Instagram? Um, a little bit, but actually not that much because I, 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 I'd been, I've just been doing a, a bajillion things, but that's what I'm kind of planning on doing next week is, is, or maybe later this week too, but it's spending more time um, fo- posting photos and okay. especially when I'm in New York, I, I want to spend some time doing that. But I mean, I, I it was actually funny. The uh, last week we had an amazing sunset in Capitol Hill, and and Grant like called me outside onto the deck to look at it, the the balcony, whatever. And I took a photo on my iPhone Seven Plus and I posted it online, and people kept commenting what a great photo it was. And, and frankly, the photo didn't even do the the um, sunset justice. And people were saying, "Oh, you must have taken up that iPhone Ten." I was like. No, like the <laughs> iPhone 10 wasn't out yet. I was like, this is this is the seven plus. So, um, but I've seen some some video uh, uh, demos that people have done. I'm really looking forward to kind of trying out the video stuff, especially 4K. 
um, I think it looks really good. So I, I'm, you know, so far, uh, I mean, I, I think that most of the, the reviews where they're saying it, it's a great phone, but it's super expensive are dead on the money. And, and I would say this, you know, if you're coming from like a, a, a six, you know, or earlier, or maybe even a six S and, and, and you want the latest and greatest, this is probably something to look at. But like, if you have, you know, a seven, I, I certainly don't think that unless you're crazy like me, that you need to spend this sort of money on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah. think that for a lot of people, I think the, the, the eight and the eight plus will be perfectly sufficient, but there is going to be that FOMO for a lot of people. You know, this is a beautiful device. And, and, and the nice thing is, is that even if you can't afford or don't want to spend, because it is a ridiculous amount of money, the money on the iPhone 10 now, like this is the future of the platform, right? Like this is the next kind of design language. And, and, and I, I think that the gesture stuff, I've gotten used to that. I was really worried about not having a home button because I've always really liked the home button. I got used to that really quickly. I'm That's still really kind of cool. getting used to, to. I'm still getting used to the multi-touch, not multi-touch, but the the, the app switching gestures. Um, but. You know, that's it. I, I I have really gotten used to not having a home button, and it feels natural. And so, this right. is the future. Whether whether you get it this year or in a, a few years from now, you know this this is the next this is the next uh, form. You factor. can get in on the ground floor, or you can wait for the iPhone ten one. <laughs> right. <laughs> this episode of Rocket is brought to you by Pingdom. Start monitoring your websites and servers today at pingdom.com slash RelayFM. You will get a 14-day trial, and when you enter offer code ROCKET at checkout, you'll get 30% off your first invoice. So Pingdom is focused on making the web faster and more reliable for everyone who has a site. We've all got sites. They do this by offering powerful and easy-to-use tools and services. For example, if you're a Pingdom user monitoring the availability and performance of your server, database, or website will be a breeze. Pingdom takes care of this by using more than 70 global test servers that emulate visits to your site, checking its availability as often as every single minute. Websites are becoming more and more sophisticated, and they very often include several dependencies such as contact forms, e-commerce checkouts, logins, search functionality, and loads more of those things. Pingdom makes it possible to monitor the availability of all of these key interactions that people will have with your site. Don't have people finding out suddenly that your search functionality is no longer working. Or perhaps... They cannot email you on your contact form even to tell you that it's not working. So that would be a tragedy. Get Pingdom. Stuff breaks on the internet all the dang time. I've had stuff break for me. It was terrible. Every month, Pingdom detects around 13 million outages. That's more than 400,000 outages every day. So regardless of whether you have a small website or you're managing a complete infrastructure a city of websites, if you will, it's super important to monitor the availability and the performance of those things. All Pingdom needs is the URL that you wish to monitor, and they take care of the rest. And then when they detect an outage, you'll immediately be alerted so you can fix the error before the downtime affects you. Don't be caught out in the rain when somebody wants to access your site. You need Pingdom! Check it out today. Again, that is pingdom.com slash RelayFM, P-I-N-G-D-O-M dot com slash RelayFM for a 14-day free trial. Offer code ROCKET at checkout. Tell them you came from us. You'll get a massive 30% off your first invoice. 
Thank you so much, Pingdom, for your support of this show and Relay FM. So, yeah, we get DDLS attacked all the the time. Yeah, my uh, congressional campaign last week, we did what VentureBeat researched and found out was the first congressional candidate uh, raising money by doing a playthrough on Twitch. Yeah, we, yeah, it's a great article. Yeah, well, it's no big deal. But it's like uh, we had Nazis DDoS our site. Yeah, <laughs> so, of course. You know, like maybe this would be awesome to uh, check out our sites. Like I'm definitely going to look into it after we uh, – uh, get off the show. Yeah. Oh God. The the I, I don't know if I get sorry. I'm thinking about the the thing that happened to me. I don't know if it would be applicable to this. But what happened was because you can set passwords to pages on Squarespace, and because I have a password manager, it automatically would fill in fields without me noticing. Because it wanted me to be safe. It'd be like, oh, this is a password field. You probably want to set a password to this site, right? And so I would accidentally like lock pages of my website and I wouldn't notice because oh, no. I could access it because I was logged into my password manager. So that would be a. <laughs> <laughs> I had days where someone was like, I'm trying to get to your site and it seems to be broken. I was like, no, <laughs> it's password locked because I'm a fool and LastPass wants me to be so safe. Um, you're, you're taking your security ultra seriously. So seriously That's, that yes. nobody can find yes. me. But yeah, that, that yes. would be good to just like know if people can access, say, my website at all, period. I fixed it. I, I found out the last pass setting that I needed to do to make sure that that didn't happen. Okay. Brianna, last week you were tell- telling us about your struggles to get an iPhone. Have things improved for you? No. No, uh, uh, why? We'll, we'll make this a super quick thing. So I want to get to some of our other topics, but uh, I will say I've, I am really upset with Apple right now. I ended up and guys, like I am You're trying to run a congressional campaign. I don't have time to be calling Apple 10 times, but that's what I had to do. They um, basically long story short, they, had some mix up and they're using one of my old addresses at a house I don't even live at anymore. And they would not, they were not able to change the address. So I called Apple 11 times trying to get them to do this. I called managers, managers did not call me back. When I finally got someone on the phone, he convinced me to cancel my iPhone order. And then he would privately behind the scenes here in Boston, uh, like help me find a store that oh would have one and then set it aside. That hasn't worked out. So at this point, my attitude is kind of F Apple. Like I'm yeah. pretty upset uh, about this. But honestly, I'm I'm running for Congress. and I've got better things to do than to super stress an iPhone. But yeah, I want to write about it in my column for Mac Life. Like, you know, I want to be able to talk about it on Rocket. But uh, Absolutely. You want to be able to, ha- you know, have grievances. I mean, you're, 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 well, you're 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 a tech lover, right? Like you always Absolutely. get the new iPhone, like Absolutely. and 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 you you've had one pre-ordered. They told you it was going to come. That that's really that's I that's got not up at cool. three o'clock along with everyone else to order. Yeah, you this. did. So I was sleep deprived the next day. So, um, you know, I'm just. Uh, I, this has been the most unapple experience I've ever had. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know what else to say. If you know someone, if you work at Apple and you can help us out, maybe shoot us a DM and we get the situation straight. Yeah, for real. How about Brie? Because, you know, or if you work at it, if you work at who's your carrier, AT&T? Yep. Okay. If you work at AT&T, if you have a, a conduct at AT&T, help out Brie. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, especially if you're in the Boston area, because that's that's not cool. I mean, especially since a lot of people were getting their phones earlier. My mom got her phone earlier yep. than expected. 
Um, it, you know, it looked like things were, were doing really well. That's, 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 that's a shame that this has yeah. mm-hmm. uh, been such a process. I'm sorry to hear that. Well, you know, stuff happens. But let's totally. talk about Twitter. Let's talk about Twitter, y'all. Twitter has gone to 280 characters for everyone as of literally, I think it was yesterday. Yep, it was Tuesday. Thank goodness. So we're experiencing it. I'm, I'm glad that we're all on the same page now. I still, I, I'm having... I'm having mixed feelings about this. So the, what they did, everyone has 280 characters now, except for, I think, uh, China, Japan, and Korea, because those languages, you can say more with less characters or equal amount of characters. Right. Um, and then they've replaced the word counter with a small wheel that fills in until you get around 20 characters within the limit. And, and then, then it, it starts giving down. you numbers. I don't, I, I don't like the wheel. The I wheel is a little distressing. I really like to know. It, like, it, it's so it's so many times with 140, I would be like calculating, all right, do I take exactly. the, the E off of that the? Like how much, how, what's my flexibility? How long but, I mean, with this, this like be? 20 yeah. characters is usually when I would start doing that though. So. I have to say for me, I know a lot of people are like bemoaning, you know, the, 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 the whole double character thing. A, two things. One, I found myself actually using the 240 very rarely or 280 very rarely. Uh, maybe that'll change, especially I think once The Bachelor comes back, I will be able to say a lot more in fewer <laughs> tweets. So that's exciting. So that's very exciting for me and for my followers who mute me um, on Bachelor Mondays is that uh, I will no longer – um, be sending out twice as many tweets. The second thing, though, I mean, and I think this is a bigger thing, is like when you share a link, this has been my big problem with Twitter for years, is that that 15, 18 characters or, or whatever takes up space. Yes. So I thought that they were going to change it so that links didn't count, but I don't, yeah, they didn't. Yeah, they were supposed to, and I don't think they ever did. And so, so you know, links were counting, and, and, and usernames, I think, eventually stopped counting at a depending on where they were in in the in the tweet but um but you know but links definitely counted and so you know you could no matter how short your url was the 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 twitter shortened url was always a minimum number of characters and 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 that could really mess with what you could say about something so you want to share a story you want to make a cogent point you can't now i feel like i can which is awesome i definitely didn't think that i would be using it and then immediately i had a story where, that i told on twitter and i was like all right this definitely is over or is over 140 and what was interesting to me i guess about the change in that instance was that it didn't i didn't feel like i was i don't don't think i was coming close to 280 when i was just casually writing tweets like it it really makes a, a bigger difference than you would think it would just thinking about the difference between 140 characters and 280 it doesn't seem like a lot but it definitely feels like a lot when you're writing yeah what do you think brie especially since you use social media in a way that's slightly different from me and and simone i mean so you know i've said this a thousand times on on rocket but like christian this is where you and i met and there were 255 characters on there and i didn't get into twitter until app.net because 255 was enough space for me to think through a thought. And then app.net sank like the Titanic, except much mm. worse <laughs> through stupider R- decisions. RIP app.net. Hey, yeah. look, they tried. You know? They tried. They tried. They gave it their best. Uh, but And then I got used to 140. Um, what I really find frustrating is being someone in the public eye, and especially um, like, you know, someone that – you know, I'm not 
I, I come from a journalist background and specifically you know, doing investigative work. So I take accuracy very, very important. And I can't tell you how many times I've, I've written a tweet and then it's like some minor part of a fact to give it a little bit more clarity to make it perfectly accurate. Right. It just you have won't to do, fit in it just 140. Won't fit. So, so you've got to do like six tweets. Yeah. 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 So you either do that or you just say, okay, this Whatever. is close enough. This is the best obtainable version of the truth in 140 characters. You're making compromises and, right and left. Yeah, right. But then it's inevitable that you have an army of dudes showing up on your Twitter. Like, but um, actually, excuse me, Brianna Wu. Um, yeah. Especially when you're talking tech or engineering stuff, like that's really bad. So yeah. Or, or pop culture, certain types of genre pop culture. Well, actually in this episode, I'm like, no, that's uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and actually someone over at Polygon, Ben Kachera said something at the height of Gamergate, I thought was dead on that a lot of the stress we were having in the industry was because people couldn't express themselves in fuller thoughts. Mm -hmm. And I a hundred percent agreed with him then. And I agree with this now. So I, I, I understand the readability frustrations with it. I've already had to unfollow people because they're too long winded (laughs) or still doing tweet chains with, uh, you know, this expanded space, but I do like the ability to be more accurate. Yeah. I like the fact that, um, I, I've not run into a situation yet where I feel like I need to chain tweets together to like get thoughts out there. So Mm -hmm. I'm a hundred percent for this. Yeah. You mentioned the readability thing and that's, definitely something that I'm I'm pondering and I I I, I'm of two minds on it and one is I wonder if Twitter just by virtue of having been on Twitter for so long it's just become unfamiliar and strange for me to see that many characters chained together in the Twitter environment there's like something about looking at that many that makes it just automatically difficult weird. to read. And I'm like, but I read all the time. I, I I read things on other places. But on the other hand, like, there's, I don't think that there's like a, a solve in terms of how it looks for that. Like, it, it's just something yeah. we're gonna have to get used to. But it I am like, kind of surprised and weirded out by how much trouble my brain has looking at 280 and parsing it. Yeah. I haven't had that issue that much. I mean, it, it looks different for sure. But I've really, what I've already found, I'm, I'm with you, Brie. Like, I like it, if I'm honest. And I think that a lot of the hand-wringing about it is just because people want to hand-wring about something. I, I've been on Twitter longer than most people. I celebrated my 10th anniversary uh, last week. Um, uh, I've, I, I've been on Twitter for 10 years. Um, and, and, and so, Do you have tenure? Uh, I, I should. I should. At Twitter I, tenure, they cannot de- force you to delete any tweet. I've been on Twitter for 10 years. I've been verified, I think, for three and a half uh, or four and a half. I've been verified since 2013, I think. So, yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I, I've been on this platform for a really long time. I've gone through ups, downs, good, bad, whatever. And I have to say, like, um, on Tuesday, uh, which was the same day that I got finally, finally access to 280 characters. Um, I uh, it, it happened to be Snapchat's earnings. And we're not talking about that as a story, but I just kind of want to bring it up because I love nothing more than to kind of talk about Snapchat's how, earnings. 
Well, and I was really early kind of being skeptical about their valuation. And and I, I've remained that way. And it turns out, I mean, I'm, I'm not right all the time. But when I am right, I like to kind of rub it in people's faces. What can I say? I'm, I'm messy and petty and human. Um, but I was having a conversation with Ryan Hoover from Product Hunt and some other people. And we were able to have a much more nuanced discussion about Snap's earnings and where they've succeeded and where they failed. And I was even able to kind of say, you know, I feel bad that, you know, they really did create a really great product and, and that they haven't benefited um, in a lot of ways because their bigger competitor, Facebook, has copied them in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. But I was able to have a lot more to say in viewer tweets without having to, again, as, as Bree was saying, kind of truncate the conversation where you lose some of the nuance than I would have otherwise. And I think that's really important. Having said that, I can definitely see myself in instances where I'm probably not going to use. And in fact, when I was tweeting today, I, I think more often than not, I wasn't using the full 280. Mm-hmm. And, and I guess to, to, to that point, I maybe understand why they don't have the character countdown, because if you have the countdown, you might feel compelled to use them all. Whereas yep. if you just kind of have the full empty, you can just be done. And, and so I actually, the more I think about it from a usability standpoint, that's probably a good move. But there's something about not having the character countdown that just makes me the same way where I don't like this on the iPhone 10. You can't see the battery um, uh, like percentage bar unless oh. you pull down on the control center, which makes me ridiculously like par- like uncomfortable because I like to know what my battery percentage is at all times. Oh, I feel and, that. I feel and, it. And, and, and it's, I have like that sort of anxiety. And so I feel like me personally, I might have like tweet anxiety. I need to know how many characters. But I feel like from a UX standpoint, it might actually – be beneficial that they don't have that countdown because that way people don't feel compelled to always use it. And and I think that what, what I mean, what Twitter said their studies were showing, and I have no reason to think that this won't be true longer term, was that in their tests, people didn't use, you know, it wasn't like they were always using more than 140 characters. They were mm-hmm. just using it when they needed to. And I'm sure that you'll have the same people that do huge threads, you know, the jeet hears of the world and people who just go on these ridiculous tangents. And it's like, really... <sighs> Get a blog. Like, th- this is what you need a blog for. Like, for real, this is what Medium is for. Write it on Medium, slap a link on it, tweet it. That's we, what this is for. A, we had a famous uh, incident, I think, once about tweeting yes, RE Polygon. And our, our CMS is called Chorus. And somebody was told to tweet it into Chorus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which oh I think gosh. is so no. fair. Like, I can't oh. tell you how many times, and I'm sure it'll still happen, like you said, I've gone and read part of a thread and been like wow this is a good thread i want to retweet this how 60 more tweets in the thread your point was made 10 tweets ago and i i can't retweet something without reading through it because i don't know like right you don't you don't want it to go bad yeah i don't want it it to to go bad and like i'm sorry you didn't this could have been three different threads and you you made one horrible one that i hated (laughs) don't you think this will be like facebook though like we've all got that friend that Oh God! Eight million things a day, and Uh you know it's like on Twitter. It's Uh understandable if you're tweeting because it's like, "Yo, I got 140. I got 140. I'm working with the limitations of the medium." But now that you got more, I think people that don't shut up a little bit more 
are going to get muted or unfollowed. I was, I just I was good. That's a fact. I, I, yeah. I think you're right. I, I'm actually thinking of a, of a friend of mine, a person I love very much, but this person, and I don't know how this person is able to actually kind of accomplish their job because they are on social media so much. And it's not, it's, it's Twitter, it's Facebook, it's Instagram, and they're all distinct things. It's not like some people who do what I can't stand, which is they cross post everything on Twitter onto Facebook. I hate that. I hate that. Like, don't do that. Like, I actually have an app that I installed years and years ago where if I use the hashtag FB, it'll cross post a tweet to Facebook. But other than that, like, they're separate. And they're separate for a reason because I don't need anybody, everybody on Facebook to see everything I tweet. And, and, and you know, but, but, but I get it. Some people, you know, cross post that stuff, whatever. But no, but this is a person who doesn't cross post their tweets to Facebook, but is legitimately putting different thoughts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at all uh. the times. And I know that this person is going to be, just as you said, Brie, like somebody's probably going to get muted or unfollowed. Like I, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to unfollow them or unfriend them, uh, but I might end up, end up muting them. You're right. And, and I think that that's fair. Um, but I mean, I think that this is, as, as much consternation as people are talking about this, this is probably something Twitter should have done a long time ago because the whole reason that 140 existed wasn't because brevity is, you know, for the soul of wit. It was because it was designed to work over SMS, period, end of story. And and, and it, was, it was a technical limitation that they wound up kind of, you know, kind of being embraced by the community as let's see how much we can do in this space. But, but you know, to your point, you were saying earlier, Brie, when Dalton and, and, and those people were coming up with, you know, app.net, that's why one of the very first things, I guess this was 2012 when app.net came out, one of its very first things when it was doing its, its Kickstarter-like campaign that it promised was longer tweets. And that was something yep. that a lot of people really liked. Even GNU Social and, and some of the other early unfederated um, social networks that are, that are similar now to like what Mastodon and things like that are, you know, had, uh, I think, longer character counts. And so um, I, I think that in some, some people have idealized the character count in a way that wasn't really designed for, if that makes any sense. Like I think people have like almost created this, this mythology around it that didn't exist when, because I was, I can, I can say this, you know, I was, I was there very close to the beginning. It was because lots and lots of people, myself included, sent tweets over SMS. You would, you would, you would uh, text 4044. It was 4040. And, uh, and I I knew that because it was really similar to my area code um, from Atlanta. And, and you would then, you know, put in your, 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 your tweet. And if you wanted to direct message someone, you would do D. And if you wanted to, um, you know, like, uh, uh, retweets weren't an official thing yet, but, but if you wanted to reply, you would do, you know, the at reply, oh, whatever. Wow. It, I'm remembering how retweeting used to work now. Hey, wow. Okay. Ooh, anyway, down you know, memory lane. yeah, exactly. And so one yeah. last thing before we move sure. on on this, I mean, I think I would say this, yeah. Something I think about a lot with Twitter is the, the, the history of the haiku. Yeah, this is a very specific like rhythm and verse and sentence structure that was very, very, you know, popular and it became popularized. I would probably guess that the number of people that invented the haiku and used it would be a percentage of the percentage of a percentage of people that use Twitter nowadays. And yeah, 140 characters. There is a real art to saying something pithy and punchy in 140 characters. Definitely. I have no doubt Twitter has made me a better writer. Oh, I same. know it's made me a better speaker. Um, 
And I would say, like, as now you have more power, like, use the skill that you developed. <laughs> like, keep it short. Keep it pithy. Yeah. Use this yeah. with, like, just be- judiciousness. Just, because you, just yeah. because you have 280 characters doesn't mean you always have to use it. Right. But- like, right now I'm watching some drama happen on Twitter and everyone involved has 280 characters. And it's bad. <laughs> it's really bad. So, totally. Yeah. Right. And, and so, oh. so you, don't, you, don't, you don't need to always use it. That said, you know, if, if you do want to tell a really involved story or say something, have a point that's more nuanced and you don't want to have to thread it. Because even when you thread things, the fact of the matter is most people only look at a few of the tweets. They don't look at the whole thing. Yep. I think it's it's much better, especially, you know, people get in trouble on Twitter a lot because they say something and they didn't come out right. Nope. And, and then they have to kind of, you know, back up and say, oh, I didn't mean it that way. You know, I can't, you know, it's a frequent thing saying, oh, this, this conversation isn't, isn't well, uh, you know, isn't conducive to 140 characters. Well, look, most conversations aren't, are equally not going to be conducive to 280 characters, but also, you can at least be better. people misunderstand stuff that you say, no, if they want to, no matter what. Yeah. Absolutely. So, I mean, great power comes to great responsibility, but I can't be mad at this. I, I, I can't, I can't find myself outraged the way a lot of, uh, a lot of journalist people are. I feel like people just want to hate on something to hate on it, to be totally mm, honest. Fair. Yep. Yep. Oh, uh, well, let's move on to talking about how this episode of Rocket is brought to you by Squarespace. Yeah. Where you can enter offer code ROCKET at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase and make your next move with Squarespace. Squarespace Woo-hoo. lets you easily create a website for your next idea. Mm. With a unique uh, they domain, hire you to be your their jingle maker. I'm not even joking. I don't agree. And I don't think that's... Uh, sorry. Uh, hang on. I got a phone call. Oh, oh. <laughs> Squarespace, it's you. Hi, did you hear my song? Oh, no, you just wanted to say that uh, with Squarespace, people could get a unique domain, award-winning templates, and more, and and stop singing. Stop, stop, stop singing? Did I hear that? Did you say stop singing? Okay, yeah, um, I guess I'll stop singing, and maybe instead of singing, create an online store or a portfolio, or a blog with Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that lets me do just that. Does that sound good to you? Are you still there, Squarespace? <laughs> they hang up. They were so busy. Oh, wow. That was Squarespace. Squarespace just called me. Did you hear that? I did. They wanted to tell me amazing. that there's nothing to install and no patches to worry about and no upgrades needed. I don't have to worry about that stuff when I use Squarespace to design my website. But they also said that I can't sing anymore, which is kind of a shame because... I mean, I was pretty. I was pretty early in my career. It's not like I had a lot invested in it. It's I, I there. I have so I have so much life ahead of me. You know what else I have <laughs> ahead of me? Squarespace's award winning twenty four seven customer support. If I need any help, and I do because I, I my singing career has just died. Um, you can quickly. <laughs> They let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name and all of their award-winning templates are beautifully designed so that you can show off your great ideas. I love Squarespace, even though I'm not allowed to sing their jingles anymore. I'm still singing them in my heart, Squarespace. I'm still updating my website. I made the most beautiful blog post the other day. I spent a really long time formatting it when I should have been working on my NaNoWriMo novel. And I'm not even mad about it because it turned out so nice. I was being very picky about photo dimensions and how it showed up. It was fun. 
So I, I've had to use some software that isn't uh, Squarespace. It's like specialized campaign software. And I tell you, Simone, it's like when you break up with somebody and then you start dating someone new and then they're terrible and you're like, I've made a huge mistake. You're like, learning all their weird quirks yeah, and you're like, this yeah. is bad. Yeah, like Squarespace until like you're forced to use something else. Like you forget just how beautiful and easy to use it is. I so, think that that's what Squarespace yeah. is going to say when it like if they ever find someone new to do their jingles, they're going to be like, oh, wow, we have so much regret. Let's go back to Simone <laughs> so that yep. she can tell you that Squarespace plans start at $12 a month and you can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com. And when you decide to sign up, use offer code ROCKET to get 10% off your first purchase and show your support for us and my singing career. Thank you, Squarespace for your support of me. <laughs> Steven Soderbergh is doing some cool stuff. Yeah, he is. As as per usual, Steven Soderbergh is he made my Magic favorite modern Mike, filmmaker. And now he's just moving on to the next big thing. He made Magic Mike. He made Traffic. He made Aaron Did Brockovich. Did he make Magic Mike? He made I the first Magic He directed the oh. first Magic Mike. He directed it. And it, it, he was the one who like basically like encouraged Channing to work on it because they'd worked together before. And he was the one who basically was like, this is a good idea. He also directed Out of Sight, which uh, anybody who ever insults JLo's acting ability, first watch Selena and like watch your mouth and like like bow down and then watch Out of Sight and, and, and look at her chemistry with George Clooney and realize that's one of the best heist movies of all time. Best Elmer Leonard uh, adaptation Period. I don't care what people say about Get Shorty. Uh, it, it is out of sight. Is the movie, uh, and 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 he's been always like really cutting edge with uh, with filmmaking stuff. He made a uh, one of the very first um, uh, direct distribution uh, films, uh, Bubble, which wasn't a great film um, in two thousand six. That Kate was day and date. It came out like on on demand and in theaters at the same time. But yeah, tell us about this, Simone. Sorry, oh, he to did direct I'm just like XXL. <laughs> I, I yes, um, I, I'm I'm just a huge Steven Soderbergh fan. That is actually start. a lot of background that I didn't have. So what Soderbergh has been working on lately, um, as related by Wired, is a smartphone app called Mosaic, which it's for a TV show that he's doing for HBO. For, Go on, and a TV show that he's doing for HBO. <laughs> Basically, he is creating an interactive story that you interact with by smartphone experiencing it non-linearly. Um, and as I was reading about this, the first thing that it reminded me of was the amazing video game, Her Story. He's yeah. basically mm -hmm. doing Her yeah. Story, but with HBO money. And then uh, the the movie that he made will also be released as a miniseries, a limited run miniseries on HBO, I think in spring. But it, it was designed, intended to be played in several episodes in this app where some of the episodes are a few minutes long and some of the episodes are regular TV length, but you're following the story of a murder and you can choose which character you follow out of each scene. And in that way, it's a lot like the uh, wonderful play Sleep No More showing at the McKittrick Hotel here in New York City. Yeah, I'm really this, excited about this. It seems yeah. really cool and I hope it goes well because I, I love her story, but I also, I, I don't want to erase like how important and amazing that particular game is to this sort of genre of splintered storytelling i think it's really cool that soderbergh is also working on something like it and it yeah. sounds like by the timeline that he has been working on it for a while um so i don't think there's a lot of overlap there 
I mean, I've thought about this so much because like Revolution 60, when we shipped that, it was all about like, I'm all in on games that are 100% story focused, like Heavy Rain, uh, Detroit is about to come out and will probably be terrible for everything <laughs> we've seen so far, even though I still play it and love it. Beyond Two Souls, you know, her story, like you mentioned, Simone. I mean, it's it's really hard to design a story-based video game, mm-hmm. right? Like, you have two choices. Like, you can do a Mass Effect, which has, like, it's basically a third-person shooter, a Gears of War with, uh, like, choose-your-own-adventure elements tied to it and cutscenes. Or you can do more of a Heavy Rain, Revolution 60, you know, um, Beyond Two Souls thing that's more like quick time the game right Mm -hmm. and what i what i kind of like about this is it's trying to approach this problem from the other direction because what you're looking for is to feel agency in like what what you're seeing and what you're watching and i don't know i think it's really cool to see them like attacking this problem from the other side rather than you know throwing a video game studio you know 120 million dollars Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I I agree, and I think that one of the things I've been like begging for when it comes to kind of this new wave of of, of filmmaking and creating content, basically, I, I've been kind of asking filmmakers probably for the last seven years, whenever I would talk about kind of the, the oncoming kind of, you know, digital revolution that's happened with, you know, creating content specifically for streaming services or creating content specifically for other types of devices, as I've said to people, as like we've seen the rise of Netflix and the rise of, of, of Hulu and, and, and binge TV is, is I talk to filmmakers and I say, you know, okay, well, do you anticipate how people are going to be viewing your content, realizing that a lot of people are going to be watching them in in, in different bursts? You know, some people will be binge watching things, some people will be watching them on smaller screens. And sadly, a lot of filmmakers, big and small, indies and big people, have said to me, no, I, I'm, you know, their end goal is they anticipate people sitting in a huge theater watching mm-hmm. it or they anticipate people at home in front of a big TV watching it episodically one at a time. And what's happened over the last few years, especially with the rise of Netflix, is people have started, you've seen kind of, uh, you know, the, the change where, where content starts to be made in a binge-worthy fashion, where it is clearly designed uh, to be watched and, and consumed all at once. Um, or maybe not designed to be watched all at once, but, but, but definitely like you don't have the typical episodic setup where you then have the episode ends and then the next episode comes in and you have to reset everything up again, where it just goes right into the action because mm-hmm. there's the assumption that the audience is is up to date and, and it's catching up with you. But what we haven't really seen, and, and this is what excites me so much about this, is kind of what you were saying, Brie. We've seen people try to do this with video games for a long time, but we haven't really seen this sort of innovation on the filmmaking side where you start to kind of bring in these different media options. And what excites me about VR filmmaking and, uh, potentially and, and especially things like this is, like you were saying, like giving people agency over where the story goes, um, as well as kind of, I think, like investigating new formats of how to tell a story. And that's really exciting. Yeah, and I think that's really important, especially as I guess a lot of the game industry is shifting towards... how to say away from single player narrative with the focus on like how they can create the longest lasting game that people will come back to like an overwatch for example where there are certain incentives to come back and play again or a world that you need to return to rather than something you can finish and put aside so 
it seems to me like film would be a great place to explore some of those branching story aspects of games that we love so much already in our medium. Like I, I would love to see a totally different mediums take on what that looks like. Uh, and I'm super interested in this. And something you said just now reminded me of this totally bananas quote from Christopher Nolan, <laughs> where he was talking about um, his ideal, uh, I guess, his ideal state of the film industry. So you're talking about filmmakers not thinking about the end product, how people view their their stories and of how they would like to see them in theaters. Christopher Nolan also likes theaters. And he said uh, in a quote uh, that he compared his ideal film industry to where book publishers are currently traditionally releasing more expensive hardcover versions of a title before releasing the book in paperback months later, which is so out of touch with everything in the entire world. Oh. It, yes, it is. And the thing is, is that the reason why book publishers release the hardcover first is because books have become like vinyl. They become fetishized objects. Yeah. Whereas you'll notice the paperback might come out months later, but the ebook is out at the same time as the hardcover. Yep. Yep. And so, so a theater, I, a movie theater experience work. is not equivalent to a hardback book. No, and I think television, you know, and, and this is what's so interesting, you know, Soderbergh has done television before. He did a show with HBO called K Street uh, that was that was about Washington that, that didn't last very long, but was quite good that he executive produced. Um, but, you know, it, it's notable, I think, that this is not being done, that this is being done as like a six-part miniseries that's going to air on HBO and that they're using this technology and this app to do, and that it's not a movie. Um, and, and this just is further point that, you know, all the real excitement for a lot of people, a lot of creators, I think of, of all mediums, um, you know, obviously, you know, video games had their moment for a long time. And I think people still care a lot about games. But I think television is really kind of the place to tell stories right now. It is in its to, moment. To, you know, to, to the point that, that, that you could have seen a few years ago, this concept would have been brought up and it would have been a video game sort of idea, right? Mm -hmm. Like you would have, even if it would have mostly just been full motion video, this would have, this would have been something that they would have tried to do with, with, with gamification elements. And the fact that they're not, that they're using an app, that's really just to kind of let the, the, the viewer kind of, you know, choose what sort of narrative they want to see and how they want to immerse themselves in it, I think is really interesting. And it, 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 it speaks to, um, the 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 role that that you know just the, the place that TV is in right now, but but it's also you know the fact that that Steven Soderbergh. What's what I love about him? Um, not only is he a great director, most people don't know this. He is in most cases uh, uncredited, but he does his own cinematography for almost all of his for almost all of his films. And in fact, he's also been a cinematographer for other filmmakers, uh, usually uncredited. That's he's really one of the cool. best. He's one of the best DPs in the industry. He's oh, one of yeah. the best directors in the industry, but he's literally one of the best DPs. Like Traffic, which which he won the Academy Award for Best Director for, he shot that. Like he, which you you almost never see. And so to me, that makes him the perfect director who's the perfect auteur to, to, to use the more correct term to, to do this. No, because he is an auteur to, to do this sort of, um, uh, experiment because he is the sort of director and producer who thinks about how everything looks in a yep. way that most directors don't. And because his, his eyes literally in the lens of the camera, he's literally doing the shots. And so he's storyboarding all this stuff out. He's thinking about where all of this goes. And I have to think, I haven't, you know, spent enough time with the app, but just what little time I was doing with it. Like, I can't wait to really just immerse myself because this is so cool. And I hope that this will, um, 
I hope that this will convince other filmmakers to do other things. Like David Lynch hates iPhones and has gone on record about how he's so mad. Everything. You know, but he 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 doesn't like that the fact that the future is what it is. But you could imagine, you know, I, I thought the the most recent season of Twin Peaks was so good and so many interesting things. But like, how cool would it be like if David Lynch was doing was taking this sort of approach? It he might won't. make more sense. But but, but that would but, but that he won't. But that would open up so many interesting storytelling possibilities. So I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I'll I'll stop blabbering now. But this this just like makes my it's it's so many of my favorite things, and and I I I love this. I guess, you know, a really big game that's about to come out is uh, Star Wars Battlefront 2. You know, uh, Mitch from uh, formerly of IGN, uh, you know, he he um, is one of the people that wrote this story. And, you know, first blush, the first trailer, it it was a really exciting story. Like you have the the this uh, contingent of stormtroopers looking up after you know return of the Jedi and the destruction of the second Death Star and it blows up and then like this elite uh, you know Empire soldier takes off her helmet and it's like a black woman and her like rogue troop and they go and like you find out they form this like renegade ops group uh, to avenge the Empire it's like a really 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 cool story premise. And then now that the game is about to come out, it's, you know, it's like all the worst tendencies of our industry are clearly getting in the way. Microtransactions mm-hmm. and, you know, the the annualization of games and, you know, not to mention the fact that the last Battlefront kind of sucked. Annualization, so, that's the word I w- was looking for earlier. Yeah. And so I, I guess what I'm saying is I do think that in the year that Heavy Rain came out, in 2010, we had a very, very different video game industry at that point. One yeah. that would invest in really deep single-player story-based content. I don't think that's true now. Mm-hmm. And you look at Beyond Two Souls; it was much worse. Mass Effect Andromeda was a it was a it was a huge failure. Um, and I really don't feel like the video game industry of today is just because of the financial dynamics capable of putting out a really high quality thing. So that leaves us like, okay, you can have things like her story, which is, you know, basically an indie game with relatively low costs and excellent actors, or you can have people like, you know, Steven Soderbergh trying to innovate, you know, with this, what does worry me about this is I look at the mechanics that Soderbergh is trying to implement here, and they're very simplistic. Oh, definitely. And it seems to be more based around a, a story hook than they've got than something that could be replicated beyond this. But, you know, games didn't figure out Mass Effect, like that formula, for a long time. Mm-hmm. Like BioWare did a lot of other formulas. So I hope that this works. I'm certainly going to do it. I'm really excited to see innovation. But I think for those of us that really dream of a future with interactive content, I just don't think today's game industry is going to get us there. I'm going to make one last point before we wrap up. But what you said about the financial aspect of it is so true. I've talked about Mm -hmm. it a billion times before. The fact that games are devalued so much that you can buy a $60 game for like $20 so soon after it comes out. This is, it is a, big problem i don't know what the solve is for making these things cost effective and making sure that people 
the 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 developers and the writers who work very hard on these things and the artists etc are all compensated for their work like that's something that concerns me especially given the massive horrible hours that these people work for something that pa- passes so quickly through our cultural consciousness um it's not the case with television there's a lot of money in television um right and it won't last yeah. forever but it's here right now and you know and 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 but you're right the the money is there for tv um and and i'm glad that people are taking advantage of it mm-hmm. i i would last thing i would say is that I think it's telling that this is being done in an app and not in VR because yep. I think that in a perfect world, I, I, I can't speak definitively on this. I obviously don't know Steven Soderbergh. I haven't talked to anybody who was involved in this, but this seems like this would be the perfect sort of VR storytelling device, even mm-hmm. as pure content. And in fact, I saw a number of things at, at the Tribeca Film Festival where they were kind of doing the same sort of like, I don't want to say you choose your own adventure, but follow your own path or watch a different point of view sort of thing in VR and it was very effective. But I think this speaks to, again, kind of going back to the video game thing you were saying, Simone, is, you know, the fact that this stuff becomes devalued so quickly and that the 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 amount of money required from the consumer is so great that you couldn't do this as a VR experiment. You have to make this more simplistic. You have to do this, you know, as as a pure television play, which is what they're doing with HBO, and then have this enhanced experience that is being done in an app because mm-hmm. the economics don't work out otherwise. Yep. Well, that's our show for today. Brianna, what are you up to this week? So we're not political podcasts, but you guys are gonna have to let me say this. Um, you know, we had a really big night uh, this week for the Democrats. And you yeah. know, it, it really did show that uh, when women candidates run and we get out there on the ballot that things can happen, that we really can, you know, upset the status quo. And I tell you, I woke up today, like, so freaking eager to get to work and to get some, you know, real progressive and, you know, technological vision here into Massachusetts. So, um, you know, just our listeners out there, if like, you're happy about the elections in 2017, like, you know, keep it up. Like 2018 is right around the corners, 364 days from uh, when we're recording this. If you want to uh, support my campaign, go to supportbriana.com. Yeah. God, it was so heartening. It was, it was (laughs) was a good week. Good Good week. (laughs) Please make it happen again in 2018. Can I tell you, it was so awesome to see so many women that I know and respect win last night. Mm Because a lot of us that are running, we talk to each other. And like some of the people that we're going to be getting out of this are just freaking amazing. That's so great. Christina, what are you up to this week? So my birthday is on Sunday. Happy birthday <gasps> to me. Yay. Yay. Um, and I'm going to uh, I'm going to be going – I will be in New York next week at uh, Connect, which is a Microsoft conference. I'll be interviewing some people um, during the intermission between uh, – the, after the keynote and before the sessions start. So uh, uh, New York people, uh, I'm not only going to be there for a little bit of time and I'll be working, but uh, I would love to see you if you're out there. Uh, hit me up. Um, and, uh, so I'm not going to be on the show next week, but we have a, we have a good, uh, a good <laughs> guest host lined up and, uh, and that's basically it. So just kind of preparing for, for, uh, what I'm doing next week. And, and obviously, you know, preparing for my, 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 my birthday. Cause my birthday is an event. Heck yeah. Yes. And I saw you're doing an ACLU fundraiser for it on Yes, I Facebook, sure am. If I can mention that. <laughs> yes, you can. Yeah. I'm, I'm doing an ACLU fundraiser. So if you are into the Facebook thing, uh, I, I'm, I, please donate to uh to the aclu you don't have to do it through my you know 
fundraiser, but just do it in general. I think it's or donate to Breeze campaign, whatever. Just you know, yeah, ALC, donate to a cause close to you. They do great they, work. They, they do, really do great do. work, and I, th- I, th- I think they're 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 vital and they're important. And and so uh, in, in lieu of gifts, uh, ACLU donations would 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 be great. Dollar. <laughs> well, I'm spending the rest of my week uh, continuing to do NaNoWriMo because that is what I am doing for the rest of November. Can you share Woo-hoo! what your what yeah, your story can you tell us is? Uh, about? Yeah, I'm working on a 1920s uh, <gasps> romance set in New York City, which oh. is super exciting. It is very dramatic. Is this um, very Carol? Be- what, what? Is it very Carol? I mean, I know Carol was the 60s, but... No, it's... I, I would say it's more um, P. Smith journalist meets Ernest Hemingway, but with a lot of gossip. So I'm I'm doing some fun experiments because it is nano, uh, and I can do what I want and just have fun with it. I am trying to write as much like Ernest Hemingway as I possibly can, <laughs> uh, which is interesting because... The writing that I admire is very, very florid and not not florid, but like very descriptive and vivid and vibrant. And my own writing tends to be quite, um, quite dry and simple, a lot more like Hemingway's writing. And I'm just trying – I'm basically trying to embrace that. Not that I'm comparing myself to Ernest Hemingway because obviously he was – he could do a lot better yeah. things say, than I can do. do. But I'm like trying to lean more into that as opposed to my desire to make my writing be like the writing of writers I admire. Again, not that I don't admire Hemingway. I do admire Hemingway. I'm trying to embrace my natural Hemingwayistic tendencies. <laughs> it's fun. I have a good time. I have written oh. fourteen thousand words. It's a good day. Wow, Amazing. not that's all awesome. day, but it, 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 dude, it's like one week, and you're already at fourteen thousand words. Way to go! Yeah, that's impressive. That's true. I woke up today, so it's week two, and if you've done National Novel Writing Month, which is when you write 50,000 words over the month of November, week two is traditionally when people start to like to flag because your energy has gone down from the first week where you're super pumped, and now you're realizing what you're in for. Week three, you're supposed to pick back up like creatively and emotionally because you're broken, but I woke up this morning, day one of week two, and I immediately, having gone to bed the night before thinking, man, I've written so many words, woke up the this morning it was like i have so many words left i am barely <laughs> a fraction of the way through fifty thousand, and i hate my life so oh, week two blues whoa. is so real um but i'm feeling good now because i i'm still ahead so it's all it'll, it's fun i i'm excited simone thanks you know i was watching sky captain in the world of tomorrow oh, that's like film. i know it's the 30s but that whole era, there's some romance in it that's just, it's hard to quantify. And if you can get that feeling, I don't know. Oh, I'm all God. Yeah I, yeah, I can talk about that for 10 hours, so I won't. <laughs> um, Brie, where can we find you online? Space Cat Gal or supportbriana.com. Heck yeah. Uh, Christina, what about you? Film underscore girl. Alrighty. You can find me at Doom Quasar on Twitter and at youtube.com slash polygon. This has been our podcast, Rocket, where we teach you about meth. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I was looking at my potential show title, which is Meth is Not Cruelty Free. I really didn't write down any others, so I guess we're but just no, going to go with that. Because honestly, honestly, that's the title. That's the yeah, title. that's it. Uh, we tell you other important things, like about phones um, and Mosaic. And then if you like that, you should tell your friends about this podcast. Let them know that it's cool. And they should give it a listen, a looky-loo, and see if they like it, too. And, of course, you can always rate us on Apple Podcasts. That is a super cool thing to do that people enjoy. This episode of Rocket is terminated. 
terminated. Whoa. Terminated. <laughs>